Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most second work, five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Collateral 4.4. So Blake yeah. has been uh, usurped into doing three <laughs> trials and uh, we basically pick up right after he and Rose have just gotten home. Uh, maybe there's been a few hours of... Oh. Uh, yeah, I got the impression rest. He, he got to take a nap and, and Rose did some reading because... She's back in the mirror world, so she doesn't need to sleep. So that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's a positive of this of this whole situation. Yep. yep. Um. So Blake kind of wakes up and and gets dressed, and we get this interesting set of of beats of Blake just being unable to get comfortable. Um. He kind of realizes mm. he has to wear clothes that he that he needs for like utility purposes, but he feels really uncomfortable about the the kind of aesthetics of them. Um. Yeah, it's it's an interesting <laughs> scene where he's just kind of struggling to get dressed. Yeah, yeah. Um, it this is something I loved from Worm. Um, I, I know we're not meant to talk about that too much here, but I'm glad to see it pop up again in Pact. Um, just these like these little details of how people sort of kit up. Um, yeah, like, like there was a lot of detail paid. Uh, so there's a lot of attention paid to that in Worm, and and I'm loving seeing it here as well because it's something I think a lot of stories gloss over is people putting together. Um, you know, their kit for potentially any number of situations. Like, you know, Blake gets some of the hair <laughs> that's trying to grow into his skin yeah. um, and, and inks it up uh, as an like, emergency glamour kit. He's got, like, some little some little knives and stuff. It it makes sense. Yeah, and we, yeah, get to sure. see him, we, we get to see him use his, like, handyman skills to kind of leather craft himself a, a strap to holster June against his leg, um, yes. which is very fun. So, I mean, by the end of it, he's kind of cosplaying as Lara Croft is my <laughs> essential understanding of what's happened by the end of this. Um, yeah, but no, it's cool. Like, he's got himself a pretty sweet setup and, and um, I guess, you know, we'll get to see how that performs uh, as things move forward. Yeah. yeah, you do get to see him a bit in his element. I mean, he's uncomfortable with some of the clothes, but they're kind of putting together a utility belt thing for June <laughs> is, is, is a little bit of him kind of flexing. It's nice. Um, yeah. While he finishes uh, getting dressed, Rose kind of feeds him information that she's been able to find in her nighttime researches. Um, specifically, she talks about moats uh, kind of as these like little baby devil things, <laughs> the, yeah. the sparks to the fire that is a devil, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, and so as we as we sort of get more info on them, they're, they're sort of related to what the imps, bri- the bride girl was talking about an arc ago, like these, you know, little thing, these mini demons that the main ones send out and just sort of cause wreckage. And and uh, you know, there's a slight difference between imps and moats, but uh, the i the basic idea of moats is very much what I was sort of getting from what the bride girl was talking about, where it's just you know the mm. the main demon unleashes all of these just little nasties, uh, these gremlins. Type, yeah. type things. They kind of just fuck shit up in, in smaller ways. Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll kind of get into that because this this imp that we eventually meet at the end of this chapter seems to be getting a bit beyond what Briargo mentioned of like lights or things turning off at pivotal moments and, and stuff like that. Um, but I guess we'll get to that a bit later. Yeah. Well, um, it seems like they, so they, sent to, they tend to sort of fit into two categories. You've either got the ones who are sort of working for an actual demon and they sort of have a goal and, and they expend themselves that way. And then you get the other ones, which I guess are just more random and they're just like general directionless pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just pointless hate. Um, yeah, uh, so so while Blake and Rose are talking, Joel kind of knocks at the door, and he's clearly concerned about Blake's mental health. Fair. Um, 
which you know we kind of discussed <laughs> a bit at, during the party yeah uh, part of the of 4.1 um and blake basically reassures him that he has nothing to worry about and, and joel kind of goes for this um yeah this is an interesting little beat it, it just kind of it doesn't seem to slot into the the arc of this of this chapter as a whole that much but i think it's a nice little way of just making sure that we we keep in the back of our mind that Blake has these friends as his like touchstone. Yeah, well, this is very much we're starting to see the cracks that will inevitably start to form as he's keeping this this whole life a secret. Like you you can't maintain these sort of close friendships. Like you know they're basically like, hey, we want to back you up, and Blake sort of has to tell them no because he doesn't want them embroiled in it, which, of course, you know, because of yeah. the relationship he has with these people, Joel's, like, not up for that at all. And then yeah, they also... Don't, they don't seem to like that. <laughs> yeah, and then Blake won't actually tell them anything. So the whole sort of situation is just, you know, it's kind of rough for um for Joel. And, and you know, I think we're starting to see that, you know, this this double life is going to start to affect his his old life, basically. Yeah, it must be so frustrating to be in that situation where they're basically just saying to you, no, shit's bad for me, but I can't tell you why and you can't help. Like, Yeah, yeah, it, like that's very yeah. understandably like annoying. Yeah. Um, so while Joel and Blake are talking, Fell turns up at the door. <laughs> turns out he has a name after all. Um, and <laughs> he, he's basically here to give Blake more information on the three trials that he has to undertake. The first one being due tonight. Um, yes. I, I love, I'm loving Fell. Um, like, I love this bit where Blake basically is like, hey, hey, Joel, if I turn up dead, it was probably this guy. And it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, Fell, Fell seems to specifically be a master of, like, dampening or destroying connections. Um, yeah. More so than, like, generic manipulating that we've seen from the Duchamps. I like this, this uh, part where he just kind of easily cuts that connection. Because it's a great setup for <laughs> for a part later on where Fell yeah. like, really goes dark, and it, it kind of is very cool. Um, Fell, Fell and Blake kind of get into an argument, and Fell basically says, "I could just leave you dead on the floor here and make it so that no one would notice, and you would just rot here for, for the animals <laughs> to eat." It's like fuck, that's pretty yeah. grim. I think I might be a terrible person because I read that and I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." Um, I can't, <laughs> I, I like Fell in that sort of, he's, he's kind of this mysterious person that I obviously hate. So I'm, I find him kind of yeah. fascinating, I guess. Uh, I'm so interested yeah, to see more of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Fell kind of gives them some news on the three trials. The first one, the, the kind of imp that we discussed earlier, uh, there's a guy called C. Doubt who is possessed by an imp i mean possessed isn't the right word but for all intents and purposes Close enough. Possessed. yeah uh stray animals have been gathering around him and while he doesn't seem that powerful um he's kind of become enough of a pain in the ass that conquest thinks it's time to deal with him yeah well so one of the interesting details i, I if i'm interpreting this right it, it sounds like this imp sort of starts to gain strength in like an area or a host and then as it's sort of getting powerful enough to the point where it would be a problem, it's bailing and taking a new host and sort of starting yeah. again. And so it it seems like it's all sort of been in this area, but it's just, it seems to be resisting growing too powerful, which is interesting. Like that suggests to me probably that it's more in this category of something working for someone else that has a specific goal. 
Uh, yeah, but well, yeah, it'd be very interesting. I, I like. I, I feel like this is important. Yeah, Rose kind of picks up on some of these clues as well and starts thinking, "Oh, this sounds like it's an imp. It sounds like that there's actually some kind of motive here, and it's not just random yeah. nonsense." <laughs> um, yeah, and we get to see Rose kind of in her element here. Uh, Blake before was in his element with the handyman stuff, and Rose here is like, you know, the the, the gal in the chair, researching, diagnosing what this thing is, uh, and putting it into a bit of a box, which Blake kind of calls out as being helpful in his internal monologue when when kind of dealing with others. Well, yeah, I mean, he, specifically, I think he sort of says that it's important to know your enemy and their motivations to sort of know how to tackle them. Um, yep. which is true. Putting them in a box, I think, is something we've specifically been told is try is dangerous to do with little information. Um, well, yeah, true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, yeah, I think the point of trying to figure out their motivations is something that Blake has already clued into is a very effective strategy, um, and it makes sense. Yeah. Um, the second of the three trials is an abstract entity that lives in an abandoned <laughs> factory um and we basically get the story that this group of practitioners called the knights of the basement organize uh scouting trips to scout out nearby areas yeah it's a great name um <laughs> and they started noticing that somewhere that they should have already sc- have scheduled scout scouted out they never actually did um and this confused them until they basically surmised oh shit We've, we actually did send people to check this out, but they died and all memory and record of them has been erased, which is fucking terrifying. Yeah, this is a this is some sort of demon that doesn't just erase you, but like erases you from time. Like this is yeah, this is some Doctor Who shit right here. Um, and I'm very excited to to see the rest of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this and it's worth pointing out. This is like a minor thing that's not really worth conquest. Actually, sending <laughs> yeah. people he trusts to handle. <laughs> I, mean, I, I guess because it's sitting still. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the point that this is considered a minor demon. Um, but that's pretty fucking terrifying. What it can do. I would save this one yeah. for last if I was Blake. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> next up, um, the third trial is a goblin. Uh, a goblin called the hyena that is a very strong goblin that basically has developed this mo of eating spirits and others or mostly eating them leaving kind of parts of them half eaten around its its living quarters and they'll just kind of head out and lash out and and fuck with shit that comes near um so that's fun (laughs) yeah it's like barbatorum but for spirits and others uh it's yeah you know is it cool 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 um yeah, hyena sounds <laughs> awful. Uh, I'm excited. They all sound pretty rough, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the the imp is probably the one that seems the least awful, but then we actually see it later today, later in this chapter, and it's, like, horrifying. Oh, it's kind of cute. Blake even says so. Well, okay, <laughs> sure, sure. It's cute, you're right. I- I'm glad he dealt with the cute one first. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um... Blake Blake kind of starts picking at Fell at this point. We kind of mentioned that they have an argument, um, and Blake gets frustrated that that Conquest doesn't seem to want to actually like give them any resources, information, anything to help out with these tasks. Um, he, he, and he starts getting pissed off at Fell by association. Yeah, well, I mean, he and Fell already have a very bad relationship stemming from that original meeting where Fell kept undermining yeah. Blake's points, uh, and Blake. Yeah. Blake explicitly tells Rose that's why he is treating him like shit now. So Blake has not forgiven him. Um, <laughs> Fair but, enough, I think. Yeah, and also I think 
Blake's point, this whole thing is fair enough, is like he's basically saying, hey, Conquest, if you want me to survive these next three days so that I can do the other shit that you need me to do, yeah. could, could you, could you like, give me an inch? Like, you know, he's just, it seems like a very reasonable thing and he phrases it very subserviently at the end, um, which I think makes it even <laughs> more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm totally on Blake's side here, but I guess that's what it's like dealing with Conquest. Yeah, no, it, it it seems like it would be a nightmare. Um, so Fel eventually agrees to to kind of go talk to Conquest about this, um, and Blake and Rose <laughs> head off and take a train to 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 scout out the imp. Um, yeah, yeah, they take a train over. It's such a little like it's so mundane, and they're just like there's other people on the train, and it's just like a weird little mundane train scene. It's awesome. Well, yeah, except Blake Blake has a like Blake really tenses up when they get to the point where the train is crowded and so there's like a press of bodies and he sort of corners himself yeah. and sticks his knee out so that people can't really get in his personal space so you know it's not it's not that mundane for for blake really um, for blake yeah you're right seems pretty stressful there's this other weird beat on the train where somebody mistakes blake for a girl um or blake thinks maybe they saw rose in the reflection at, and it's just this weird little beat at, I'm curious what your read on it was, uh, Elliot. Yeah, I, I did sort of get the sense that we're meant to just sort of be like, oh, you know, he looked up in into the sort of the train door and saw the reflection and, and then was a bit confused. But then, like, that doesn't really add up um, as well, I don't think. Like, can all muggles just see rose because then people would yeah. have noticed already like i i spend half the time i'm on the train usually staring at the like door i feel like that's maybe something i would have noticed um <laughs> yeah or even if they they don't have a reflection which we yeah. know blake doesn't yeah um, so i'm a little confused as to what normal people see with blake's whole situation like i think we've it's been pretty clear that practitioners or at least through the site you can see rose um yeah but yeah, I mean, my initial thought was that maybe this was some other or something because, you know, they get Blake's whole gender situation muddled um, with Rose in the mix. Mm. Uh, but then Blake seems pretty confident it's not that. So unless it's like someone in Glamour or something, I don't really know what to make of it unless putting my tinfoil on and, and saying something to do with this transference. Um, like when he got yeah. when he got bumped, you know, maybe, maybe that sort of kicked things over for a second. Yeah, um, and there's another beat where... It seems that the Briar girl is spying on Blake. Um, yes. Or that's that's the conclusion that Blake seems to come to when he sees a pigeon acting weirdly. <laughs> he would be yeah. so he would be so paranoid about this stuff. But, well, I think um, he specifically sees a connection heading really far away in the direction of Jacob's Bell. It's and, true. It's and true, I think but... if, if anybody was going to be spying on you with a pigeon, I'd say Briar girl's a solid a solid bet. Like that's we've seen her do that before. Um, yeah, I like how there's just a few beats of this mundane train journey <laughs> being so weird because yeah. of just who, who the world that Blake is in now. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Blake and Rose arrive at, at the neighborhood for this house, and it's wrong. There are animals mm. acting very weirdly, dozens of crows watching people. Um, all the people who live here seem afraid. Blake can have a, a little conversation with some of them, and they reveal that... Uh, some mice attacked a baby in a stroller and all this weird <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, it's it's all just gone wrong. Yeah, well, because the whole area, it's set up as this really fancy, like, upper-middle-class suburb that's just completely and, and seemingly quickly just gone to shit. But also yeah. no one's, like, leaving it or, or, or like, it's, it's not turning into a bad neighbourhood. It's, like, a good neighbourhood that's just is currently bad. Like, it's it's very off. 
And yeah. I'm, I'm getting an idea of, a bit, I think, of what the Bry girl was talking about, where, like, like normal others, like, you know, we're sort of seeing when goblins get into a place, they just turn it into a shithole in, in a way that you'd sort of, of think of, of, like, a bad neighbourhood. Like, you know, they yeah. they turn it into, into somewhere that you wouldn't want to be. Whereas when devils or demons are involved, it's like... It, it can't they can't even mess things up in the right way like they mess it up in this way that feels fundamentally wrong um it, yeah. it's just that bit different it's like the the whole death thing where you know there's like a natural order for things to go downhill and they don't even follow that they take things downhill in the wrong way yeah we get explicit like discussion of the natural order when rose makes a, a macbeth reference um <laughs> talking about how the natural order should be like humans having dominance over animals, right, in the traditional sense. Yeah. But this place seems to have subverted that so that these animals are now kind of the dominant creatures and humans are just on their space. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting uh, sort of reference to make, but uh, it, it seems to hold up so far. Yeah. Um, so Blake and Rose head over to this house and Blake gets attacked by a rabbit, which he then <laughs> proceeds to kick to death. And gut, and use those guts to ward off uh, a flock of crows, which start diving him. No, sorry, I shouldn't say a flock. A murder of crows. Let's let's call it what it is. Um, hey, he like squeezes out like a tube of toothpaste, some guts and blood in a circle around themselves. It's, yeah. it's very gross. Hey, so what form does the Briar Girl's familiar take when when it's not in its actual form? I mean, yeah, it's a rabbit, right? <laughs> so. And then and maybe, then we- maybe Blake's just dealt a pretty strong blow here. Ah, uh, I know. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not that thing. But um, I, I just after we had that little pigeon watching him, that was presumably the Bry girl, and then we have this. Um, I'm I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Um, <laughs> and and may may never yeah. come back as a form of foreshadowing, perhaps. Um, also, <laughs> you think Blake's gonna curb stomp the Briar girl? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be down. I'd be down for that. Um, mm. Also, today I learned that rabbits scream. Um, that, yeah. that was that was what I learned from Pack today, and also that the easy way to gut a rabbit. Yeah, I mean, who says that these stories can't be entertaining and horrifying and educational? <laughs> um, so uh, Rose kind of calls out to this imp who waddles over, he's, he's like 60 centimetres tall, he looks like a baby, um, yeah. except creepy, like a like an Attack on Titan baby, I guess, is an apt description. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's a good description. And he announces himself as Poos of the Fifth Choir, Feral and Foul, in a deeper voice that didn't fit his frame. So I imagine <laughs> this kind of like baby waddling over and just kind of speaking <laughs> in this very deep voice, which is a, I can see now why Blake would say it's cute. Yeah, that's adorable. Um, I'm sure this will yeah. all be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so Rose basically, the chapter ends with Rose propositioning uh, this imp to help take down a king. Uh, yeah, I'm not so going to lie. infer what that means. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. The first time I read this, I thought that she was talking to Blake, um, and the whole bit seemed like a real weird ending to me, and then the second time oh, I read right. it, the second time I read it, I, I, I came to the same conclusion you just came to, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes way more sense, like she's talking to the... <laughs> Uh, and I think I think that part of the reason for that confu- confusion was like I then went back to four point three, and they pretty explicitly sort of said that they will try to capture these things and, and bring them to conquest. So yeah, uh, I'm very interested to see if this is just some sort of ploy Rose is pulling, or um, if you know I went back and, and read the exact wording, and I don't really think I can see how turning this thing against conquest 
fulfills their end of the deal. So without earning them a bunch of negative karma. Um, well, let's be specific. Conquest said, I want each bound, captured, and brought to me, right? Those yeah. are the terms of the deal. I guess he didn't specify to. what order. Um, wait, that, mm. that doesn't specify the order. <laughs> That's they true. Could, they could bring them all to him and then try and capture them while, while they're there. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> capture them, bring them to him, set them loose on him, and then and- bind them afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, but we yeah, see. it's it's... It's going to be interesting there. I, I assumed when they were talking about turning everyone against Conquest, they meant, like, you know, Jeremy and, and Isadora and stuff, not the fucking devils that they're trying to fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe it's maybe it's easier to have a kind of enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. Although you don't really want to do that with, you know, devils and demons. It doesn't seem like a good idea. No, I um, don't think they're ever your friends. That's that's the end of, uh, <laughs> of Collateral 4.4, though. Uh yeah. It's it's interesting. This chapter kind of we we have this interesting like roller coaster of tension throughout this arc so far, right? Like mm. starts off very chill and relaxed and then it ratchets up until 4.3 and then uh you know, Blake and Rose kind of buy themselves some leniency and we go down a bit. And now this feels like a kind of setup chapter for what's going to happen next in um through this arc. Yeah. I, I really like the kind of flow of it. It feels like it has a really nice pace. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a bit of a loaded term in these stories, but it feels like an interlude between the the <laughs> action sequences. Um, yeah, y- yeah, like we... I think it's a loaded conversation talking about pacing impact at all. To be honest, <laughs> uh, fair, but um, anyway, yeah, no, I I do agree. It's this. It, it we sort of have now set up what is presumably most of the rest of this arc, which is um, Blake's three tasks. Um, mm-hmm. and now we're sort of, this was the setup to at least the first one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to dive into some comments to see what people thought about this chapter five years ago when it first came out. Um, well, I, I pulled one out here that I quite liked that was, uh, started a comment thread started by a user called Eresh Kigala. Um, and they, they kind of talk about the, the terms of the deal that they made with Conquest. So, oh, again, good. it was Conquest saying, yeah, I know, how relevant. <laughs> uh, Conquest said, I want each bound captured and brought to me. And then Rose says, we agree, obviously agreeing for both of them. Um, and, and Aresh Kigala kind of brought up that they really just agreed to Conquest wanting this to happen. Um, and that kind of leads into a discussion about the, the, the way that Conquest doesn't put much effort into his choice of words and that this might be a potential avenue for attack. And thinking about this, I kind of came to the conclusion that Conquest isn't the kind of person that wants to, like, have solid binding contracts so much. He likes the fight. He likes breaking people. Um, he put the chain around Rose. He's not too afraid that they're going to just, like, bail. And I, I really get the feeling he kind of wants them to try some of these, like, loophole exploiting tricks so that he can just, like, shut them down with excessive force. Um, yeah, well, I guess I guess I see that because we've we've seen of Conquest, like, obviously the, the, the concept of Conquest is tied into the transitive state of, like, going from being in power to not being in power. Uh, and then I think yeah. we've also had mentioned that he also draws power from, like, solidifying that Conquest. Yeah. So... Um, like, you know, just having Blake and Rose beaten, you know, and then I guess ordering them around, maybe that gets them a bit of power, but having them try and fight back and him just constantly beating them back down probably suits him a bit more. So like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I can imagine him leaving intentional loopholes in 
that he's already kind of thought about, well, if they do this, I'm just going to do this and beat the shit out of them or whatever it is, you know? Um, yeah. That will kind of feed into his cycle of power a lot more. Um, yeah, I thought it was an interesting kind of discussion. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I've pulled out sort of, a, a, again, a sort of series of comments. Uh, so the first one was sort of by the uh, user called Unmaker, um, who points out that all the demons we've seen so far um, really disrupt or, or destroy natural forces. Like, you know, Barbatorum mm. sort of seems to impact, like, physical health in your soul. Um, this uh sort of ambiguous demon thing in the factory that the knights of the basement have been fighting um erases like your history and your existence um mm. the knights of the basement they assume they actually lost members as they escaped from this demon but they're not sure because they're they've been erased um so they don't know if they lost anyone yep um and yep. then and then so so how are we pronouncing this pause powers uh poos is the pronunciation of this one okay um <laughs> Poos is sort of dis- or destroys the natural order, um, and, and you know, and then or- Ornius yeah. was sort of disrupting thermodynamics. Basically, mm. uh, was something added by a user named Lankmar, uh, and then another user, Monsmel, kind of comes in and makes this link between karma as a sort of natural order, like not necessarily fair as as a modern like human might understand it, but there's this sense yeah. of the natural order of the universe, and then the demons are, are very opposed to it. They specifically break the natural order and and the perhaps like pact is ultimately exploring order versus chaos which is an idea i really like yeah i thought this was a very interesting point and and i I can't remember which user it was but when i was reading through this comment thread i noticed another comment in there which i really liked which was basically saying like karma doesn't seem to be good versus evil it's just kind of natural order right and so if it's if that's the case that would kind of explain why diabolists who kind of deal with these chaotic beasts get so much bad karma because they are upsetting the natural order. It's not that they're doing things evil, you yeah. know, it's just that they're they're bringing elements of chaos into the world. Um, yeah, within within the context of the pact universe, uh, you know, the the karma sort of karma has decided what is right and wrong to to an extent. Yeah. Um uh, sort of morality aside basically there's a set of rules that karma has decided or the universe and all the spirits have sort of decided that at the moment this is how things should work and devils seem to yep. disrupt that and so as a diabolist enabling them is not good yeah it gets you some real bad karma yeah i really liked i, I really like that idea i'm interested to to see more of the the yeah. dichotomy of order versus chaos as the story yeah. continues it's something to keep in mind as we go forward for sure yeah um that's the end of the show. That's the end of us talking about Collateral 4.4. Now, a lot of people ask, hey, how can I help the show out? And here's an answer that we never usually give. Rate us on iTunes. Um, recently, we've uh, recently we've started being able to see ratings from outside of Australia because <laughs> iTunes doesn't usually let you see those. Um, but we've, we've found a way to do that. And turns out that there have been some, some good uh, some fans of, of Deep Impact rating the show from across the sea. Um, so do that. It's very helpful. It helps us be kind of found by new listeners and yeah. helps get uh, Wild Boy stories to new ears, which I'm pretty sure is the number one goal of all fans of, you know, Pact and Worm and, and all of Wild Boy stories. <laughs> yeah, yep, 100%. Um, and, you know, if you want more information on the show and the other shows on the Doof Network, head over to our website, doofmedia.com. Yes, actually, on doofmedia.com at the moment, you can check out something called March's Madness, which yeah. if you're familiar with uh, with Worm Award, you will know the character March, who everyone 
in the fandom unanimously loves. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, the, the Doof crew has set up a, a kind of March Madness play where uh, we, we get to uh, face off different characters and find out who is the best character in uh, Worm slash Ward. Yeah. Um, it's I think a fun it's, little... It's a f- I think it's yeah. mostly Worm-focused. Um, you you meant to right. you yes, meant to mostly right. stick to worm. Um, so yeah, I mean it, we'll see how it goes. I think as this episode is releasing, round one is just finishing. So s- sorry if you're only finding out about that that through here, but uh, you know you can participate <laughs> in the the next round because there's going to be a lot more than one round. Who's your Who's your top pick, Elliot? Who Who are you picking to to win March's Madness? Well, is this? Are you asking who I want to win or who I think will win? Because those are very different. Will, let's answers. do both. Who do you want to win and who do you think will win? <laughs> Well, I want I want Amy to win. Um, I'll I'll oh, always I'll always stick up for my girl. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is why I have different yep. answers. Uh, I think Tattletale's a pretty solid bet for uh yeah for the ultimate winner. But we'll see. I I want Miss Militia to win, and I think she's in with a chance of doing pretty well. Oh, she's got um, better odds than Amy. She's up against yeah. Gru. She's up against Gru in round one, <laughs> which is a, a a tough one. I think you're right. Tattletale's a good pick. Uh, bitch, Hellhound, Rachel, another top pick, I reckon. Um, and mm. of course, Dragon and Jessica Yamada, who are the, the darlings of the fandom. Yeah. Um, anyway, if you want to know what the hell we're talking about, you should uh, check out doofmedia.com and see March's Madness. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, and if you want to support us and the rest of the Doof uh, Media Network so you can get cool things like March's Madness, head on over to patreon.com slash doofmedia. Yes. And uh, from Patreon, you can also find Wildbo's Patreon, patreon.com slash Wildbo, and you can support more of these awesome stories being made. Um, which you should do, because then we'll get more cool stories and it'll be rad. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so apart from that, if you want to chat to us about the, the episode and you know give us your thoughts on 4.4, head over to the discussion thread that'll be in the show notes below this episode. Yep, um, I think that's everything. Check out that discussion thread and you can leave us thoughts on this episode and we will uh, catch back up for Collateral 4.5 in a few days on Friday the 15th of March. See ya. See you then. 